you from? Staten Island, New York. What's Staten Island like? Oh, I don't miss it at all. Yeah? Uh, no, I don't. Um, I grew up in the projects, actually, in Staten Island. Which ones? Um, Park Hill. Okay. Yeah. And, and for those who haven't experienced Park Hill, what were some of the things you were seeing back then? Um, I remember when I was a kid, it was really great, completely cleaned, and then all of a sudden, drugs came into the neighborhood. 80s? 80s. Yeah. Crack came in. I remember as a kid seeing crack bottles and um, little small vials of cocaine, and it just got horrible. And then my parents decided, you know what, this is it. We came on vacation here in Florida, completely loved it, moved here in 89. Now, for those, because that, that's really ironic, because most people hear Staten Island and they think million-dollar homes, the ferry, things like that. But, you know, that part is very concentrated, it I is. would imagine. It By is. chance, is that where Wu-Tang is from? It is exactly where Wu-Tang is from. Oh, okay, then. You ever yeah. meet any of them? I'm sure I've seen them as a kid. There were yeah. so many dope boys in that neighborhood. <laughs> and, you know, it's crazy. You see them driving all kind of expensive vehicles. Yeah. We're living in the same community. Yeah, it reminds me of that episode of where uh, ODB... Went to the corner store and he had the wad of food stamps. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. maybe it was kind of that, that kind of vibe back in New York back <laughs> yeah, then. So, absolutely. So um, as far as your background, where's mom from and where's dad from? Mom is from Panama. Okay. My dad is American. Okay. Yeah. And they met in New York? No. My dad was in the Army. Okay. And he met my mom when he was stationed in Panama. Okay. Yeah. So they met, fell in love. Uh, moved back to the United States and California, and that's where I was born. Okay, so you were born in Cali. Now, what was the decision to move to New York? Was that just where he got stationed, or? No, my parents separated. Okay. And then my mom took me back to Panama, lived in Panama for a long time, and then family transitioned to New York. And your family's originally from Panama, at least mom's? Completely Panamanian. Okay, awesome. What's Panama like? Um, I was a kid when I was there. I really don't remember. I was a baby. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really was a baby, so I can't recall. Okay, so first memories are more like New York. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's really home. Okay. Now, what was it like moving to Florida? You know, because a oh. lot of people go through that separation anxiety of coming from the city and then moving all the, And then back then, it's not like what Orlando is now or right, Miami is right. now. So what was that like? It was amazing. Yeah? Like, literally. Completely loved it. High school, I went to Seminole High School in Sanford. Um grew up in a community that's kind of close to Lake Mary. Yeah. Um, excellent community, amazing transition. Yeah. You know, completely different quality of life. Nice, nice. Yeah. So at what point do you start realizing or at what age um, that spirituality is something that you're interested in? That was natural for me as a kid. Yeah. Like literally. Um, I come from a very spiritual family. From my grandmother, my mom, my tia, my tios, complete spiritual family. Background is Christianity. Yeah. So, I mean, was that the kind of situation where we're going to church every Sunday or? That was not an option. Not an option. That was not an option. And what kind of, what branch of Christianity were you getting involved in, in the beginning at least? Pentecostal. Pentecostal. Yeah. For those who aren't familiar with what Pentecostal is, you know, what are some of the things that distinguish it from the other branches of Christianity per se, you know, a Baptist or an Episcopalian? What, what identifies the Pentecostals? The style of worship. Um, you will see Pentecostalists get slain in the spirit or come down with the Holy Spirit more as opposed to baptism, Baptists and other denominations. Okay. Now, mind you, you now, 
kind of looking back, and I'm sure you saw this, you know, weekend after weekend, you kind of looking at the Holy Ghost concept or people coming down with the ghost. Right. What would you identify that as now? Would it be the same thing, or would you have another concept about Completely it? Completely different concept. They're getting mounted. Really? That's what I believe. Yeah. I, it's the exact same thing. I see nothing different in it at all. Really? They just don't know what's happening. Wow. Yeah. So when we talk about, like, the speaking in tongues, do we think that they're coming down with spiritualities that have to do with their, like, I would imagine, like, Judy, um, Jewish or any spirits like that? Is that the kind of thing that they're coming down with? Or is it maybe a spirit like we're familiar with that just doesn't know how to speak? What energy do you get more of? I would say maybe a muerto or could be their guardian angel. Yeah. Um, just not aligned. Just not aligned. To be able to express right. itself that exactly. way. Exactly. They they're not able to express themselves, but they go through the exact same motions. Wow. Now, you're involved in a couple different things. Um, prior to, you know, a big part of this conversation when we talk about you going in the seminary, yeah. um, you know, what was the motivation to, like, get involved with the Greek lifestyle? Or what was the uh, the call to action there, you know, as you were in college? Um, I'm an only child. Okay. And the concept of brotherhood was truly appealing to me. Of course. So I joined Phi Beta Sigma fraternity. Yeah. And from there, after that, after post-college, I joined Freemasonry. Yeah. yeah. Now, not to delve into secrets, because, you know, we respect everybody here. Right, and, right. you know, so many of our brothers within Ifa are Masons as well. I'm not a traveling man, but, you know, I've, I've had the pleasure of initiating quite a few of you. Um, for people who don't understand what Masonry is, how can we kind of describe it in a nutshell without, you know, falling into taboo of revealing anything? I would say it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of how you live your life. Um, they call it living on a square, or it's basically upholding the tenets of, of life and how you treat others in a very, very simplistic way. So after all of these fulfilling steps, you know, very verified man, you know, at this point. Yes. You hopped Greek a couple times. Uh, you, you hopped Mason a couple times. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you're around a lot of brothers. At what point now, after, you know, college, or maybe while you're going through it, are you like, I want to be a spiritual professional, I want to be a pastor, or whatever you were pursuing. What, what was that motivation to get in the seminary? Well, actually, I never wanted to pastor. Oh. I never had a desire. I lived in Oklahoma, and I went to, I worked at Oral Roberts University in their IT department. Wow. And as an employee, I had the opportunity to pursue whatever degree that I want to, and they pay for it. Wow. And I had a lot of questions about Christianity. I just wanted to know the history of it. So I chose my Master's in Divinity. And that put me on a completely different level, completely different path in life. So what's the first day of seminary like for somebody who has no idea? I mean, are they, you know, what, what is like your coursework? What are you going through at that point? You know, what's the vibe? It's just like any other program. You know, you have your prerequisites that you have to go through. Um, it's been so many years ago, I can't recall the courses. But it's just like any collegiate program. You know, they give you a schedule that you have to, you know, adhere to. And you go through it every semester. How far did you get? I was nine credits away from graduating. So final semester. Final I mean, semester. You know, is that like the fourth year, I would imagine? Yes. Yes. I really didn't. Like I said, I went into it for, I went into it for the educational aspect of it. Sure. I had no desire to really preach or anything like that. But like I said, after so much of what I've learned, it put me on a completely different path. Now, mind you, was there anything off-putting 
about the curriculum or were there certain things that you were encountering or learning about that made you question your belief system up until that point? Because one thing is to go to church and listen to what somebody has to tell you. It's a completely different thing where after being in said fraternities and ultimately educating yourself, even though you didn't become a pastor, possibly knowing more than some pastors that are out there right now, um, you know, what were some of the things that might have made you feel adverse to taking those next steps? Um, several things. First is really getting into just reading the Bible. Um, first opening up with the story of Genesis. Um, cause I remember there was a course, uh, there was a class where this topic was discussed, but no one really couldn't answer. The professor couldn't answer this question. So Adam and Eve had two kids and then they had sons and all of a sudden they had wives. So the main question is, where did these women come from? Sure. So then is this, whose creation story is this? So that question wasn't answered. And then from there, you know, learning about what the Greeks did and then the Romans and how they have a huge history in slavery and then how that history in slavery um, transcended into Constantine and then the Council of Nicaea. I want to get into that. Okay. That's that's something I recall because I went to Catholic school, right? Right. Good Hylia boy, Cuban Catholic. Um, during the day, we're at church. During the night, we were doing what we were doing, right? But... I'll never forget, we got to the part, because there was a class, it was called religion, and obviously that was the religion we were studying in Catholic school, and I remember reading about it. They actually talked about it to the face, and, you know, it really slipped over everybody's head, I can tell, but when I'm looking, I'm like, there was a vote. So if you could, being as educated as you are within, um, you know, biblical history, you know, after going through so much coursework, what was the Nicene Conference? Well, when you look at it, Constantine really wanted to control the world. And um, he's like, listen, we can't keep killing people. You know, we can't keep doing it by force. It's not good for business. It's not good for business. Wow. You know, we need people to come willingly to us. So he had a dream, and in the dream he saw a cross. And he went to his council, and he was like, you know, what's this cross about? And he said, oh, it represents this man that died. His name is Jesus. He's like, well, tell me about this story. And to learn about the followers that he had and his, his complete story. And then from there, the Catholic Church was born. Um, the, he issued in the whole institution of the bishops and the popes and all of that. So it really, you know, and I don't want to offend a lot of Christians out there, but truly historical it fact. Came, it's a historical fact that it came from the concept of controlling people. Seriously. Um, now, that doesn't mean that Christianity has a lot of bad things, but from a historical perspective, a lot of people don't understand the origins of Christianity. And I, I think that's so important is um, know your history. I remember one time I was watching an interview, and it was a, uh, a couple Navy SEALs were speaking, and you know there was this young guy who had just finished his, uh, finished his BUDS training, as it's known, where they graduate and get their, their trident, I think it is, or they become SEALs. And he ran down on this, uh, this old vet, you know, seen a bunch of uh, tours of combat and whatnot and you know the, the young guy was like oh what buds class were you and the old guy was like said class and he was like oh we didn't have a class that year he was like no we did because of this this and this and the guy looked back at him and said no your know your heritage right absolutely so you know i think that is such a huge thing because when you look at something like religion right and i, I ifa has blessed me with the wherewithal to know that there is a scientific aspect to all religions right you know and even if it's historical science what it what have you 
you have to know where you come from. Absolutely. You have to know all of the steps that were taken to be able to get said spirituality from the dawn until the present, right? And um, mind you, Ifa has very ugly moments in its history. I mean, we were proponents um, for animal uh, human sacrifice for so many years uh, until, you know, the famous story in Baba Irete Meji or in my own story of Irete Suka. Um, you know, there's a couple heinous things that have happened, you know, but there's never been necessarily an attempt to hide it. I think the most beautiful thing about Ifa is that the Orishas are the first ones to put the worst moments of their life on public display and allow us to utilize that information um, for our betterment. But, you know, when you learn about something such as this, right, no, not saying, like you said, that doesn't mean that has to be the intention now, possibly, but to look at how certain institutions were established and what the goals were behind them, it is eye-opening. So after reading something like this, I mean, how, what, what went through your mind as you, you know, you just dedicated four years of study to this discipline. Right. It opened my eyes because one of the things that was, that left a big impact on me was I wanted to know, okay, the New Testament just has three years of Jesus's life. Yeah. What did he do from the time he left his parents' Seven, house? I believe. Seven or nine when he left, if I recall. Was exactly. The big fiasco in the temple. Exactly. Yeah. So I went on through this, this entire period of my life just reading books, trying to figure out what did this man do? How did he really become this Messiah or this man that we see now? And I've learned that he traveled the world. Yeah, he did. Completely. He was all over. You know, I got into Buddhism. I received the Tao from Taoism. Uh, I still love Buddhism to this day. Beautiful tradition. Absolutely. Yeah. So just um, reading about Jesus and how he traveled the world, it really won, It really motivated me to learn other cultures and other religions as well. And I really gravitated toward Buddhism and then Taoism. Well, I think the interesting thing about Jesus' path, I mean, if you look at his more esoteric process, right. it's really resembling of the Bawalaos. You know, when we go through our apprenticeship and uh, – you know, we've spoken to a couple traditional brothers where that's even more prevalent, where once you're initiated and once your Oluo has taught you what he's able to, at that point, you start traveling. You start going to the different city-states in Nigeria, apprenticing with God brothers and God siblings of his, extended or near, and you start really creating this portfolio of knowledge, you know? So when you look at somebody like Jesus, who, if I'm not mistaken, was a rabbi or, you know, went through that whole process, at that point, he may have gotten to that you know, blockade where he's like, I want more, I need more, there has to be more. Where, you know, if you look at some of the scriptures and the things you read, I mean, there's even evidence to a certain degree of Reiki. Um, you know, you look at our scriptures and Babawi Meji, just like in the Odu Owani Chobe, he received hand of Ifa. Um, and Orula loved him dearly. And he actually mourned him very, very heavily when he passed. Um, so when you see that and you realize how common that was and you look at all these great prophets and all these great uh, figures, especially in spiritual past, they all went on their pilgrimage. I mean, when you look at even things like the Hajj and, you know, like the Muslim brothers go through and whatnot, we have to go back home. We have to seek that which has been lost, right, my brother? So, you know, now you having learned that about him, what did that spark within you? You know, through all this study now, what, what questions or what, what were you left with now knowing that, the gentleman you had basically been studying even found limitations within his philosophy to now have to venture out and, and search for more. It caused me to start studying other people. Yeah. And 
first person that I really got into was Bobby Hammond. His teachings really opened me up. Who is that? Bobby Hammond is a brother from New York that has purposed his personal ministry, really, to awaken the black community to historical knowledge about themselves and history. And he touches just about every topic, you know, from Orishas, Egyptians, you name it. Wow, Kemet, all that stuff. Everything, really. And then, you know, from that, um, you know, Dr. Malachi Young, um, uh, just a lot of different other, you know, great teachers. Malachi York, just a lot of different other teachers as well. And then it left me with a question of, okay, well, what about my roots? And then, you know, I started questioning my mom and then my grandmother and, you know, like, where, how, how far do we go back? And then from there, I learned, okay, my great-grandmother stemmed from, you know, came from Jamaica. Nice. And my, gra- my great-grandparents. I'm like, okay, and, you know, so the slave ship that landed to Jamaica really came from Nigeria. Sure. So I'm like, okay, well, what was their religion? And then from there, that's really it got me into Ifa because I've literally traced back my roots. And once I started studying the Orishas and, you know, learning about Aladumare and everything, it just resounded so much with me. I was like, okay, my search is over. Like, this is it. That is, I tell you, when, uh, yeah. when me and Madalena were, were, you know, honestly, we were laying down one night and we were like, what are we going to call this show? Um, she came up with one half. I think she came up with the roots, and I came up with the hour. And nice. we kind of put it together. And I tell you, every guest that we've had on here, it's a similar story where we have to go back and right. back and back until there is no more back, right. until we reach the source or the root. Um, your story is really a miraculous one. I remember the first time I heard it um, and how it kind of intertwines and converges upon when you discover Orisha. Um, you you went through a pretty big health scare. Um yeah. You know, if you could delve into that to kind of bring a full circle on some of the experiences you had with Orisha, what were some of the things you went through, you know, health-wise? In 2000, let's see, 2000, 2011, I believe, no, 2010, my kidneys failed due to high blood pressure. I was on dialysis for 11 years. Wow. And... um I was apprehensive about getting a kidney transplant. And then... Um, Why? I I read so much online about the health risk concerning getting a transplant. And I had so much fear about death. You know, you know being connected to a machine and seeing your blood... You know, sometimes you'll see it on the floor. Sometimes, you know, your fistula will, you know, get huge because they put the needle in there wrong. It's impressive in all the wrong ways. Exactly, exactly. And I just didn't want anything more. And um, I finally decided in 2019 to go ahead and get the transplant. Wow. And um, at that time, I had already had the mana derula. Wow. And I, my next step was to do santo. But I was on the fence with doing Santo. Sure. I was like, you know what, I'm I'm okay here. I know I'm a child of Shango, but I'm good right now. Yeah. Then I had a dream. And in the dream, Shango literally cut my chest open, stretched it open, put a beard did did I stone inside there and then stitched it up. And the dream was so real 
that I woke up like grabbing my chest, like, okay, what just happened? You know, literally. And then after that, I was like, you know what? Here's the money. Let's do it. Let's do Santo. And then from there, my transplant just opened up. You know, they actually had to postpone my Santo because I got rushed into doing a transplant. I tell you, heavy symbolism there. Yeah. And you children of Shango, you, you guys are nothing short of spectacular because, you know, we had a, uh, a recent interview as well where um, a gentleman's wife actually um, went through a transplant scare. I'm not sure if it was the same organ or not. I'd have to refresh my memory. But, you know, he does miraculous things like that. And you look at the symbolism of El Edun Ara, or the, the stone that belongs to him, the Piedra de Rayo. Yes. You look at the the piece that you needed to be able to have that quality of life, you know, it's things like that that really, you know, constitute faith and reinforce it. Right. Um, but I, I think ultimately it was the right decision. Now, mind you, you, you go through the Odisha process um, and, you know, it, it's impressive, right? You go through a lot there. The hand of Ifa, it's very um, enlightening as well. Um, and especially with basically the miracle that you saw happen right in front of your eyes to yourself. Yes. You know, a lot of things are, are, are happening. You know, at what point are you kind of like, Bahalao? Or the idea of becoming now, even though you were a priest of Shango, now a priest of Orumila, what were some of the motivations there maybe philosophically um, towards that? You know, I really didn't want to be a Bahalao. Yeah. I, I really didn't. I learned about it, and I was like, uh, you know, I'm good. Yeah. Um, however, I always wanted to fulfill my destiny. Yeah. And then from reading my Odu and also my mom's Odu. Yeah, sure. Because my mom's Odu says that your son must go to Ifa. Yeah. And then my previous Odu was like, you know what? I have to go to Ifa. Yeah. So I was like, mm, maybe I can postpone that a little bit. Yeah. You know, I was still a little stubborn. Yeah. And then after our, our encounter and speaking with you and you yeah. told me the benefits and from my previous sign and sure. you know, why I needed to. Yeah. It's like, okay, let's go ahead and do this. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, mind you, the I think the biggest step is the mental acceptance of destiny. Absolutely. You know, because I, it's not that I didn't want to be a Bawalao. I remember my experience was a little bit different because I, even though I don't come from a, a modernly Fa family, you know, our ancestors, sure, but as far as, like, when we made it to America, it's not like we were, you know, Santeros or nothing like that. We were in the community. Um, so it was one of those things where you're in it, but you kind of look at these men, at least for me, and I was so shell shocked by them and so like appalled by them, um, in all the positive ways where I'm like, I can never fulfill that, you know? Right. And with time you begin to realize perfection is nothing more than an obstacle to progress. And that, you know, everybody is human, no matter how much of a man or woman they are, we all have flaws and things that we have to work on and improve upon. And that's who we is for, right? right? Um, but definitely I, I can resonate with that, but I, I think it's the, the mental step to, I'm, I'm going to do this whether right or wrong, if I'm meant for it, you know, now, mind you, we, we have a little bit of a, a luxury with you because you recently went through the process. You know, I think it's been two weeks since we got back from, uh, Hialeah yes, yes. and, um, you know, I guess what was, what were the emotions and the feelings leading up to the ceremony, you know? We're planning, we're doing all these things, we're, we're prepping dates, you know. What, what were some of the things going through your mind or through your soul? A lot of excitement. Yeah. And, you know, like, okay, Ronnie, I'm really, I'm really doing this. Yeah. You know, I'm really about to fulfill my destiny in life. Yeah. 
you know, um, the main emotion that I had was really being excited. Yeah. No, I wasn't nervous. I wasn't scared or anything like that. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm really doing this. I tell you, that's the advantage of doing it at the stage of life you're at because I remember when I was a young man, I hopped at, I think, 23, you know, and you're surrounded by all these leopards, you know what I'm saying, and all these men, and you're just kind of, you know, at 23, you think you're, how do I put this, you think you're an adult, but, you know, you still have so much to learn, yeah, yeah. and you're just sitting there, and you're looking at all these, you know, these titans, you know, how I referred to them, and you're like, what am I doing here, yeah. you know? Yeah. But at your stage, there's so much fulfillment and so much, um, you know, uh, confidence, you know, and fulfillment right. at that stage. I, I think that's the benefit of it. Now, obviously, without going into detail, what was the ceremony like? You know, what how what was what was the most impressive thing? I think energetically, um, or what was you know the most appalling thing? Like, what was the thing that surprised you the most? Not as far as like obviously ceremony or process, but maybe how the brothers were interacting, or maybe you know what what were some of the elements that you were maybe surprised by. Or comforted by. Actually, you just said it, how the brothers interacted. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, to see that many Babalaos work together and to know that they are working towards me or for me yeah. was phenomenal. Yeah. And they were all amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like, literally. All gentlemen, for sure. We had yeah, a great com group. Completely. Like, in one week, it felt like I literally joined a family, yeah. which I, I know I did. You know, um, in terms of feelings, um, that excitement, that it was completely life-changing. I came out of that room a different man. Yes, you did. And, and the, the most ironic part is the physical, um, yeah. even the physical effects that the ceremony has. Yeah. You know, a young brother, you know, because at that moment we are one second old, right? Yeah. Um, you come out glowing. You know, everybody notices it immediately. There's a completely different ambiance and energy to the person, as it should be, because if that's not there, you know, what did we really do? But um, I tell you, that's an, I, I remember in my ifa as well, it was, it was a lot of harmony and a lot of unity. And that's a difficult thing to do, to get eight men in a room. Yeah, yeah. Or if it's a double, maybe 16 men in a room and have things flow in that way so harmoniously. I mean, I, I can't imagine another ambiance where you can accomplish that because you have things like testosterone and ego and all these different elements and yeah. at least ego wasn't present you know right. i think a beautiful thing about your ifa or the ifas that we do within our home or the odisha processes is everybody knows their role everybody's informed everybody's prepared and empowered to fulfill it to the best of their ability you know because our job is the elders in the house whether it's the oba whether it's the padrino or the madrina is to put the people functioning in the best position to look amazing you know, since, um, now and here's another element that that's really beautiful. Cause you have a close relationship with mom. You know what I'm saying? Um, what was it like to see her go through the IFA process and, you know, knowing that by you fulfilling your steps, she was able to benefit as well. What was it like to know that you and your mother were going to go through those steps together to a certain degree? It was heart touching. Yeah. Literally. I mean, you're talking about a woman that's, hardcore Pentecostal. Yeah. Even though she's still in the religion, she still has not changed that at all. Yeah. And to see how far she's come and I never pushed it on her. No. Like literally I would read a book and share it with her. And you know, then over the years, you know, she started asking me questions and then we came into it together. And then now she's my, yeah. it was completely amazing. That's that's awesome for her. And, and it never fails to uh, amaze me how we could lead 
a completely different life. And then, you know, even at her age, come back to where we're from. Right. You know, I remember our, my, my godfather gave my grandmother hand to be fired, 84 years old. 84. You know, daughter of Shango that she was. And Orumila gave me two more years with her. You know what I'm saying? And it was it was an amazing two years before she left us. But um, it, it never ceases to amaze how it doesn't matter what stage of the game you're at. The Orishas don't care. You know, it's all about that fulfillment and that reconnection to our, our higher power, you know. You now being an Ifa priest, you know, um, what responsibilities do you feel like you have to society at large now or your community? Because when we look at the church and we look at our demographic within it, um, there's a lot of needs. Now, I'm not saying that everybody's going to convert to Ifa, Um but what I am saying is that someone such as yourself who knows both sides of the spectrum now and has ultimately decided to reside here, um, what obligations do you feel like you have to your community now being in this position? Well, first to my family. I have a lot of cousins that ask me questions and, you know, my tios, my tias, you know, always coming to me. So really first my family. You know, in terms of just educating them, not trying to change anyone's perspective, but just to educate you. And then from there, my friends. You know, I have a really good friend of mine. Actually, we were on the phone last night, and he was asking me questions about it oh. as well. Um, so I do have people in my life that are asking me questions and want to know more about the religion and more, more, and also want to know more about why I made this decision. Yeah. So Education's big. Absolutely. Being a resource, because I think a lot of people um, will hear about Ifa and not be interested. But I think there's a lot of people who will hear about it and become interested just like we did. Right. Um, but a lot of people, I mean, even like your godfather, Eric, to a certain degree, he, until college, he was like, I didn't even know any of this existed. And that's really, to a certain degree, scary because you look at who we are and, and we sometimes can't go back more than a generation or two to know all of this uh, this legacy that stands behind us and has brought us to this place. You know, so I think just being able, like, the, the different brothers that you read about um, and you now being a resource to, you know, your family. You know, it's like Ifa says in the Odu Odiche, we have to save our home before we can save the world. So we have to reestablish that and that connection within each of our homes before, as a community, we can now say, hey, this is who we are once more. So I, I think that's a great ideology. Now... You mentioned that you did also experiment, not not experiment, but experience Buddhism. Um, what is Buddhism? I really would not say that it's a religion. Yeah. I, I really would not. Um, it's really more of a mental way of just recognizing life and living in a state of acceptance and also truly acknowledging the divinity within yourself. And it truly helped me because when I was going through dialysis, the whole concept of acceptance was what I needed. Yeah. You know, not resisting, not complaining. Okay, oh, I have to go to treatment. Oh, here's another needle. Oh, here's this. No, just accept it. You know, and just live in the moment. Yeah. And it truly helped me with that completely. Yeah. Um, I did not, the only thing with Buddhism was that I did not have a connection with those deities. Sure. You know, same thing with the Taoism. Completely love the teachings. What is Tao? Taoism, so Buddhism teaches you what about the will of samsara, which is reincarnation. Okay. Whereas Taoism takes it a step further 
And they say, okay, yes, we know the will of samsara, but here's how you get out of reincarnation. To be able to stay exalted. Exactly. Stay, stay in a state where you don't need to reincarnate. Exactly. And I went through the whole process. I received the Tao. Wow. Well. So it's similar to Ifa in that regard. Ultimately, mm -hmm. we're trying to do things in a way where we don't have to come back to the marketplace, exactly. right? Exactly. exactly. So, no, that's beautiful. And in the Odio Boturache was where Orumila and the Buddha were friends. Mm -hmm. They actually interacted under a tree, from what I understand, and they exchanged philosophies. And, um, you know, they were very good friends. You know, they just went in separate directions. You're, you're an interesting character because apart from all of the spiritual and divine education you received, you're also involved in tech. Um... For those who have no idea what you do, what does a tech guy do? <laughs> what does a tech guy do? Yeah. Um, are you I coding? Work, are you building software? Is, are we doing a little bit of each of these things? I work for Lockheed <coughs> Martin as a system engineer. Um, so basically, I'm working on servers all day. What's a server? It's basically a device that, has, um, that allows you to perform, that has applications on it, that allows you to perform a function in a very, very simpli simplistic way. Mm -hmm. So I um, work on servers for military bases and also um, support applications as well. So when we're talking about working on things for the military, um, is that what Lockheed specializes in, or are they more eclectic, like they do a little bit of everything, or no. is that their focus? No, that's the biggest military contract in the, in the United States. Um, without uh, you know, divulging too much, of course, what's the biggest misconception about our state of security in the United States? I have my master's in cybersecurity, and I will tell you right now that security is an illusion. There is always a way to hack something. There's always a way to get into something. Um, unless you are in a completely, if you're in an environment that has no access to the internet, now it's impossible. It's called you're the, off the grid. zone. Yeah, you're off the grid. But as long as you're connected online in some form of fashion, you can have a firewall or everything. There's some type of way to get in there. Um, now, there's a lot of intrusion detection systems that can actually detect if there's if someone is trying to penetrate your, your network, but sometimes there's a way around. So basically, you're the guy that stops the hackers. Actually, no, I don't. Like I said, I support military bases, um, not to get into too much, which of I can't, but um, I support the applications and the servers that are specific for the program that I'm with for Lockheed Martin. And when we're talking about the things you're working with, I mean, this is top-tier stuff. This is top-of-the-line, top-value, like no expense is, uh, is avoided, I would imagine, to be able to provide the security that, you know, these things are for these said bases. Yeah, the government gives millions, no, billions of dollars towards defense contracting companies, so yes. Wow. Now, being a tech guy, you know, obviously this thing called binary code, and the matrix and all this stuff, What's it like knowing both sides of that spectrum as well, looking at something as... Because I remember after the ceremony, you were like, Padrino, I kind of had like a moment there because everything that's happening is so complex, but some of the processes are so simple that it, it, it kind of contradicts upon itself. So you having the tech background and now being in contact with the spiritual science in its fullest form, you know, what are some of the things that you've noticed? The absolute first thing that I realized is that the Yoruba, the Africans, were extremely advanced. Yeah, Black Panther for real. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Our society, our base of technology and everything truly stems from them. Yeah. 
because binary code is everything in terms of communications and technology. You know, information is broken down. So, you know, they were truly advanced. I'll never forget, I, I had a supervisor one time, and I wasn't a huge fan of his, but he said something that's resonated with me since. He said, if you ever want to understand something, you have to break it down to its simplest form. And the Odio Chetura says that. It says that Ifa is so, so simple that the why is complicated. You know, when you have something so perfect and so accessible, sometimes, you know, the illuminaries or the spiritual revolutionaries, they, they want to concoct something in a way to make it seem even more splendid than what it already is. And that, that's really key with Ifa is respecting the fundamentals, right? And there's nothing more fundamental than binary code like you've mentioned. Um, what advice, Ronnie, you being somebody that has walked a lot of paths, experienced a lot of life, um, what advice could you give for those who are either interested in Ifa, somewhat skeptical about getting into Ifa? What advice can you give to people like that? The number one advice would be to choose your grant, to connect with people that are willing to educate you and connect with the right people and to ask a lot of questions, mm -hmm. like literally. Um, and the second is to truly pursue your destiny, no matter what it is. If you have a desire to truly um, achieve success in life, don't let anything hold you back. Yeah. Now... What's next for you now that you have this priesthood, now that you have so many things going for you? What are what are some goals? Outside of religion? Anything. Um, right now, just a lot of studying. A lot of studying. That's good. A That's what I like to hear. <laughs> eating the book, eating the book. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of information. It is. I mean, when you really, you know, it's like you say, or like we say, breaking it down to its simplest form, when you look at a process as grandiose as an Fa initiation is or an itelo do is you look at all these various components you're like how does anybody learn this and um it takes time and it's about breaking it down and um really just analyzing it you know in its simplest form but from us to you um needless to say we're, we're very excited about having you as a part of our home um as being a made man in our home about being a very well-rounded and upstanding individual to represent Orumila, which is all we're trying to do is find each other. You know, the Baalaos, the Olorishas, all we're trying to do as we walk through life is find someone else with that spiritual molecule, you know, and, and we're very excited about you being at the forefront of that for, you know, our house and ultimately the one that you create. You know, any final words for our viewers? Well, first of all, the feeling is mutual. Oh. Yeah, um, literally. Um, you, Madrina... Um, my padrino, um, Big Eric, Eric. Yeah. talk, <laughs> Big talk. Yeah. yeah, no, the feeling is absolutely mutual. Yeah. Um, in terms of final viewers, I just want to really reiterate the, the whole purpose of really pursuing your destiny. Yeah. You know, we live our lives working and raising kids and raising Matrix. families and getting caught up into a lot of things that won't elevate us to the next level. And it's truly important that we take some time to ask some hard questions and make sacrifices to pursue our destiny and to fulfill them. Lovely stuff. Absolutely. Anyhow, may Orumila bless you. May Shango continue to bless you as you delve into this fountain of the most delicious knowledge that is Ifa. But now, it's time for the elevator music. Right, Phil? That is correct. All right, put the headphones on, Ronnie.
Best uh, part of the show besides the interview. <laughs> of course. Well, guys, guess what? Got to show some love to the people who show love to oh, the yeah. channel. So if you are wondering what we're doing here, we have a membership tier. Uh, there's three different tiers, so you can hit that join button right under this video where we offer each perks for all the different tiers, whether it's extra shows, discounts on merchandise, um, VIP shows and stuff. So let's show some love. So you guys ready? Yes, sir. All right. We got to show some love to some super fans here. We super. got Gain Stin. There's a new, new person. Thank you so much for joining. Uh-huh. We got Derek Jones. Derek, thank you. They're a new person. Thank you for joining. We got Mariah Enriquez. Mariah, what's up? We got Baba Oyadele. Oyadele, ben bendicione. All right, we got some VIPs here. We got Idelis Amanda. Oh, thank you, VIPs. We got Senia. Thank you, Senia. We got Anna Elizabeth. Thank you, Anna. We got Eric for 10 months. So oh, my God, OG. Yeah, all right. Couple closing thoughts, guys. Botanica Candles and More.com is up and running for all needs, whether it be services or products. If you like this shirt as much as I do, I can't get enough of it. I have to wear a different one next time. The Shango shirt. <laughs> um, I'm feeling like he's my alter ego. You can also find these on the website. Um, the audio cast is up and running as well on all major platforms. Um, like, share, comment, and subscribe. And from all of us here at Botanica Candles and More and Our Roots Podcast. Thank you, and until next time, see the light.